passion. It sometimes gets in the way. What I want to do, what I want to be great at, what I want to do great for others. Sometimes that path doesn't lead you right down that uh, that trip toward passion. So you got to get back on. And that takes grit. We're going to hear about that next with Phil Truex on Dash of Grit. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. Folks, entrepreneurial vision and success at a corporate level, sometimes they seem like they're at odds, but they're not. A lot of times people are successful and doing great things, and the corporation is serving a great need and an interest, and yet we have this entrepreneurial spirit that's kind of dying to get out and and, uh, assert itself. And so that's what today's story is going to be about. I'm excited for you to meet our guest today. He's the founder of the Truax Law Group in Sheffield Village right here in Northeast Ohio. He's recently a partner at Eller Stallings Law Firm and thus the corporate versus entrepreneurial event. I'm excited for you to meet uh, Phil Truax. Phil, welcome to A Dash of Grit. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks for having me today. I'm thrilled that you're here because I think you offer a fresh point of view from what uh, a lot of folks talk about. Usually it's one or the other. I'm either a corporate success doing great things on a, on a, on a big scale, or I'm an entrepreneur trying to do great things on my own uh, on a different scale. It doesn't mean big or small. It's just what I'm trying to do. You've kind of had your foot in both and sometimes at the same time. And so I'm interested in talking about that and some of the hurdles that you've overcome along the way. Before we do that, uh, we're going to talk a lot about pain, but tell me what's great. Tell me a little bit about the success you've had, especially recently uh, with the Truax Law Group. And uh, what are you proudest about so far? What's success mean to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of different things uh, in my legal career along the lines of what you would call success. Uh, done pretty well with developing clients and uh, building a practice um, you know, before I was with Ayler Stallings, I was at another firm in Northeast Ohio called Wickens Scherzer Panza, built a construction practice group from scratch there and really built some great relationships and a strong competitor uh, of construction law services in Northeast Ohio. Uh, but fast forwarding to today, uh, I think that what success looks like for me has really been um, how many of my, what you'd call former clients from other law firms have joined on to Truex Law Group and really uh, followed us in, in this journey to start this business and try to take a different stab at the practice of law for small businesses. And, uh, you know, so far, two months in, I, I kind of feel like that, you know, I'm all, I kind of feel like I'm already past some of the growing pain stages in some respect. I'm not that naive. I know that I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in some sense, we've got a nice stream of work going right here uh, with a lot of these clients that have really, you know, expressed a lot of gratitude and appreciation for how they've been treated in the past, how they've been served in the past, and how they, you know, have a really good trusting relationship with me uh, over the years. So that's that. That feels pretty good. And so, tell me a little, real quickly, what is construction law for listeners that don't understand it in layman's terms? What are you doing? Yeah. So construction law is by and large um, working with contractors, suppliers, sometimes owners or designers, and that might include drafting contracts or helping them negotiate contracts. That might involve helping them stay ahead of project issues or problems as the job progresses. 
Uh, and that that all involves invariably, you know, going after payment claims or defending payment claims, whether it's in the middle of a project or later on in the project. Basically, getting involved in contract disputes and helping resolve those disputes, and if need be, uh, take those disputes to court or arbitration. Okay, perfect. So you're helping things get done. You've got expectations on one side of excellence, expectations of delivering excellence. Everybody wants the same thing, but sometimes there's hurdles and they need your services to uh, to fix that. So you built this practice in construction law and you built your, your expertise and then you moved into a more corporate vein and now you're rebuilding the construction. I think we were going to talk all about that. Can you start to share with me a little bit of the uh, the grit, the hurdles that you had to overcome along the way? Tell me your story a little bit. Sure. So when I was uh, at Wickenstrom's or Panza and Avon, it's about a 30 lawyer firm, very good law firm on the west side of Cleveland. I had a leadership role with that firm. Um, and I was involved in a lot of, um, you know, administration, firm marketing, kind of growth initiatives, basically trying to look at that firm and see what that firm could accomplish. Um, And for a variety of reasons, there was some lack of alignment um, in kind of direction that I viewed that firm to go and where that firm ultimately was going to decide to go. And meantime, I reconnected with my law school roommate, um, Greg Ayler. Uh, We went to law school at Case Western Reserve. And we kind of had some similar conversations about what we saw uh, as far as firm growth opportunity. And uh, essentially he invited me the opportunity to join that law firm, uh, taking management leadership role and to see what we could do uh, to grow that law firm. So really take a um, almost a pure leadership role type of a position and to kind of grow a firm that already had 12 offices in Ohio in the Northern half of Ohio. And so at that time, what were you most excited about? You already had something that was cooking, but of course, it was a little bit off track of what you were hoping for. And now this new opportunity, what what were you most kind of jazzed about as far as that move goes? I think, I think at that point, it was doing something different and doing something really different. You know, I, I, I discovered that I was developing a passion or had a passion for leadership. I've always had leadership roles. Uh, throughout my life, whether it's going back to school or sports or other situations, but taking on something that was kind of taking me away from the construction law path that I had taken all along, and then really go to an organizational leadership and a strategic leadership position, that kind of change was exciting. And that was new. And that was something that, you know, took some guts to, to get away from that path and take a leadership role in really a firm that had some practice areas that I didn't have a lot of experience with. So it was really opening up a whole nother set of doors that I hadn't really looked at even a year prior to that. And so what were you most afraid of? Because I know you're going to do it again. I've already, I'm going to give away the cliffhanger here, but what were you most afraid of at that time, as far as taking the jump and perhaps failure or whatever it might be? That I was leaving too good of something behind. Mm. Uh, I had built a, as I said, I had built this construction practice and a group of clients uh, and a little side story. When I had decided that I was going to make that move and join Ehler Stallings and take that role, uh, that leadership role, I went back and met with all of my construction clients uh, from, you know, North Central Ohio down toward Columbus and over toward Youngstown and Pittsburgh and convinced everybody to keep their legal work at Wickens, Herzer, Panza. Uh, while I was gone, and oh. they all did. And in looking back at that, I think, boy, 
but did I short sell a trusting relationship or not that they were all willing to follow follow my recommendation to keep their legal work even though I was leaving hmm. uh, that was kind of one thing I looked back on you know maybe six months ago and thought wow you know really reflecting on the types of relationships I had built you build those relationships and then how did they take that? I, I know that you were acting in what you thought was their best interest and also the best interest of your firm, but what did they think when you came to them and had that conversation? I, I think that certainly there was some disappointment. Uh, certainly there was a, a, a little bit of a lack of, you know, not understanding the move. Uh -huh. um, but at the same time, uh, understanding that I did have a, uh, an interest in taking leadership roles and taking a, you know, strategic growth mindset uh, with the types of positions that I had. So, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these clients are good friends. A lot of these clients have kind of been through thick and thin with them and developed really deep, deep relationships with them. Uh, so I think that they, they understood, but certainly there was a level of disappointment and then a, all right, if you say so, we'll give this a shot type thing. Yeah. And I think that's good because the alternative is it's kind of a no-win situation, right, Phil? Because you either uh, take them with you, which is not good for your current uh, you know, employer and current partner, or you tell them to stay, which means you have to leave. And so it's, it's you know, they have to trust you to do that. So so I'm glad you did that. That sounds like the ethical and, and right thing to do. Then what? What happened next? So uh, then the world shut down. <laughs> Ah, it, that comes up every time. <laughs> I started uh, I started that position uh, with Ayler Stallings on March 9th. Oh, my Lord. And the following Sunday, I was uh, on a Zoom call with my new partners uh, talking about potential furloughs for uh, staff and trying to figure out how we were going to ultimately replace 60% of our revenue, uh, which came from seminars and presentations uh, in order to get new clients, 60% historically of revenue had come from that type of marketing and business development. And that all quickly became undoable. Yeah. Yeah. And so what'd you do? Because everybody's struggling through the same thing. That time of this of the year, year a little over a year ago, everybody struggled with that exact same thing. What did you do? So from the legal world, you know, Ehler Stallings focuses on uh, estate planning and elder care law. Elder care law is just basically helping seniors uh, engage in asset protection processes and plans so that they can avoid spending everything they have in nursing homes. So, you know, that's a terrific area uh, to really help seniors. Mm -hmm. um, and one way, one thing about elder care law is that nobody does it. No, many law firms, law firms do criminal law, they do family law, they do business law, they do litigation, uh, but there's really only a small fraction of law firms that do elder care law. So, we recognize that, but really took a hard look at the fact that there are hundreds of law firms in the state of Ohio that serve as referral sources. Mm -hmm. So what we decided to do that, since we can't go out and have, hold presentations and seminars in senior centers and libraries and nursing homes and things like that, let's go form great relationships with lawyers and law firms uh, and really help them understand what the added service that we could bring to their law firm, almost like an outsourced solution for things that they don't do. And that, among some other strategies, I think really helped us bridge the gap and ultimately led to, uh, that, to the law firm having a fairly successful 2020, all things considered. Yeah. And, and, and that's a story that I hear a lot. We, we made it through. 
we, we were able to, you know, buy the bootstraps, uh, you know, a little extra sweat, a little extra grit, get it done. I'm interested. And so congratulations in that. I'm going to take us a different route a little bit. I'm wondering, Phil, when you switched, when you went from one to the next and you found your old high or college roommate, were you hoping to build something with your college roommate that sounded pretty awesome and exciting? Or did you want to get into elder care law with that kind of a passion? I think it plays into the future of the story. I'm wondering what you were hoping to accomplish then and why you did what you did. I think I viewed, and I know I viewed the elder care world as a truly noble profession and this little known commodity that the the general public needs to learn a lot more about. Um, that part of the elder care law aspect, I, I definitely appreciated and definitely that drove me. But certainly continuing to build upon what uh, Greg and Tim Stallings had built from the ground up and then trying to take that to the next level and playing a role in all of that and continuing to build that, 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 that was a very exciting to me. That was a very exciting opportunity. Yeah. And, and then when, when the world stopped, did you feel like you'd made a mistake? Did you jump off the other boat that didn't have a hole in it and uh, trying to walk on the water a little too soon? Do you wish you could have gone back? No, no. In fact, um, I, uh, I remember getting off that zoom call and, you know, brushing away the few hairs that I had left on top of my head (laughs) after realizing what, what, what just happened and saying to myself, I made a commitment. Mm. This is the move I made. Um, There's nothing that we can do about the world as it is right now and what's going to happen in the next couple of months. I made a commitment to my new partners and to this organization and to that group of people and, and said, all right, this is as big of a challenge as, uh, as we're going to have certainly one that I didn't anticipate, but let's do it. Let's, let's put our heads together and let's see what we can do to get past this and really you know, lawyers aren't known for being innovative creatures. Uh, lawyers are known for being problem solving and more reactive and tactical than anything else. Certainly, there are there are groups of lawyers out there that are strategic and and think big picture. But generally speaking, uh, lawyers aren't, aren't aren't thought of that. And and you really got to dig deep and think. Okay, man, this was the the canvas that we had before us. Now everything has been shaken and changed. And now we have to not only solve the problem that's before us, but think, okay, outwardly now, because who knows if and ever those seminars and presentations were ever going to come back and to what extent they were going to come back. So this isn't just a Band-Aid six or 12 month issue. This is a reinvention, really, of, of the business. And that part of it was scary, but exciting. I think, I think we were all optimistic that we would be able to make it work, given the, the heads that we had at the table at that point. Yeah. And what did your head bring? What were, what are you most proud of? You made it through and you did well. And we're going to talk about your next, uh, the shift that you made then after that. But what did you bring specifically to the table that allowed that group to accomplish the ses- success that they had even during the most trying times? So I think there's two things. One is I hadn't really been in the throes of elder care and what, what they had been gone through, how they built that company. Right. My perspective was totally different from, from what they had. So I had a different perspective of, of how to approach the business and how to approach the client development process. The other part of it, I think, is because I'd worked for a number of law firms, 
uh, and I worked both in what you would call litigation and corporate risk management side of a law firm, I had a different perspective of what law firms need and what law firms are looking for. And law firms need and are looking for solutions for their clients. Certainly, they would rather be the ones to provide those solutions to their clients. But if not, then they want to be these trusted advisors to their clients who, if they can't give them the solution, then they know exactly where to go to get the solution because that's only going to help their relationship with their clients. And I, I, I've lived that for the last 14, 15 years of my career. So I think those two things really were valuable elements to the leadership team as we were figuring out what was next. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes, you know, you can have a vertical market and I know that you're in a vertical market, but the, the folks that are outside of the vertical market, you know, my own company, Spire, doesn't just work with one type of business. We work with many. And I think that that can be a benefit because we don't, we're not on the inside. We're not inside the box. We're thinking of things on the outside. But when when you are on the outside coming in with not a lot of elder law experience, give me an example of a time when you brought up an idea. Hey, let's try this. Let's do this. Let's 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 think outside of the box. Let's go this direction. But it didn't start started not to work. Maybe it didn't go as well as you had hoped. Uh, maybe you kind of had some second thoughts about bringing that idea up. Did that ever happen? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, webinars. Okay. Tell me you know, about what's that. One, what's one way to replace seminars and presentations? Well, let's just try to do it through the web, through mm-hmm. whether it's social media, Facebook, email blasts, whatever. And while there was some minor successes, generally, I, I would consider that a failed effort. Uh, and maybe that was because of the clientele that Ehlers Stallings had with the elders. Mm-hmm. But even then, uh, I, I think in my conversations with other professionals, in the area, um, I think by and large, most folks would say that webinars as a method of developing business um, is not incredibly successful. And so you tried that and it didn't work. How did how did that make you feel as the, the new kid on the block trying to do a new thing in a very tough time? How did that make you feel? Well, that was it was fairly deflating. Uh, because, you know, I, I kind of hoped that that would be one way, significant way that we would be able to uh, solve some problems. And uh, I, I, for the lack of a better word, was the face of that effort. Mm-hmm. And to have that not, you know, bear any fruit, you know, that was that was difficult. But, uh, you know, you quickly realize that when you run into something like that, that it's it's not a reflection on you personally. Uh, you, you look back and you think, what would we have done differently on that project? And how would we have changed it? And what approach would we have taken uh, if under a different world? And, you know, ultimately, you just recognize, look, it, it was a good idea. We did the best we could. Uh, and it just didn't work. It didn't, it didn't hold on. But we have other ideas and other opportunities. So let's now shift efforts and resources and, and take that approach. And you learned from those things and built success out of a, out of a tough time. And so then what happened? You were rebuilding and moving forward and, and uh, take me through the life of Phil Truax then. Yeah. So um, at that point, I would, you know, fast forward to Q4 of 2020. Still in a pandemic. Still in a pandemic, but it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Things Which are might be a train. Normalize, normalize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and, um, you know, I, uh, what, what happened was I started to hear from some of my old construction clients um, and looking for alternatives 
to the, the solutions that they were looking for from their legal issues that they were handling. Um, and I was reminded of the relationships that I had built and kind of the solutions that I was able to create for them. Uh, and then I also had a couple of clients who uh, convinced me to do a little bit of work for them, um, kind of as, as a side project, if you will, of re reviewing and revising a contract and things like that. And I quickly realized that I really missed the construction industry. Mm. I really missed the clients, the business clients that I was working with. I really missed the kind of those complex legal and business issues that I had been involved in for the, the first 14, 15 years of my career. Um, and I, you know, I really miss the people, the, 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 the construction clients, you know, construction guys and gals are a rare breed. Uh, they're salt of the earth people, straightforward, no BS with, with that group. Uh, and they're really literally working from the ground, literally and figuratively working from the ground up, trying to, you know, build their dreams. Uh, so they're a really compelling uh, clientele and group of people to work with. And I, I quickly realized that uh, I, I missed that. And, and that's where that's where I belonged. Um, so and, and in the meantime, with the elder care side, again, great, great business, great service model and service offering for our seniors. But for me personally, I never really hit fifth gear. Mm -hmm. I, I when I was in my leadership role and. And even being involved in some of the, the service that we were providing on the estate planning and elder care side, um, I never felt like the passion was there for doing that type of work for me personally. And that, in my mind, impacted my ability to lead and really take that type of a leadership and management position to the next level. And I felt like because my heart wasn't in it as you know, full go as I wanted it to be that impacted how the type of job that I felt like I should be doing. And so you made a change to start your own for the benefit of whom? Is it for your benefit? Is it for the, the construction industry and your friends that you kind of left behind? Or was it for the future of Ehler Stallings that needed somebody all in? And one, uh, you, you can't say all of the above. You have to pick one. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I think selfishly it would be for me. Yeah. You know, I think that you, you've got to do what's best for you and your family, ultimately. I mean, certainly there are um, consequential impacts to the clients and consequential impacts to the construction industry as a whole. I think the construction industry needs great lawyers and great people to help these companies. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I needed that fire brewing and we all need that fire brewing in some level. It's un, maybe it's unrealistic to think that you're going to get that some fire brewing all day long and you're running into work. And I don't, you know, people say, I don't even go to work every day. Yes, you do. Everybody yes, you goes do. to work every day. You might love what you do most of the time, but everybody's got that. Uh, and I, and I, I wanted that. I needed that. And I, and, and I, given my experience with Ehler Stallings and the innovate in the innovation and the growth that they display and the type of culture that they're building. Uh, I, I looked at that as something that I knew that I could do and I knew that I could do it. Not that I didn't want to do it with that group, but I wanted to do it in the industry that kind of helped me get to where I am today in the construction and small business world. And um, that's what, that's what motivated me to start true X law group. 
Yeah. And I apologize. I set you up with a trick question because you have to do what's in your best interest first. You have to have the passion. You have to have the drive. Otherwise, you can't satisfy your potential customers and your current organization won't benefit. I mean, it, it all goes together. Yeah. It's, I, no, I, it's, it's no accident that they tell you to put the oxygen mask on your on yourself bingo. before you put it on your kids. Bingo. You got to serve others, don't you? You have to take care of yourself to serve others. Uh, and so, so what kind of hurdles now you're going to restart again? So, so here you are, um, you've, you've been successful once you've been successful twice. Now you're going to step out and do it again on your own. Talk to me about the fear that goes into that and the decisions that you had to make. Well, I have, uh, so I'm, I'm married with uh, 10 and a 10 and a seven year old. So going out, and start, going out and starting a business in the middle of a pandemic with two kids and a and a family, a wife and a family, you know, that that's, that's a little bit imposing. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I, 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 given the conversations that I had with a lot of the, a lot of the folks in the construction industry, not just former clients, but also I've got a lot of really good, you know, referral relationships uh, within the business, you know, accountants and bankers and insurance and bonding folks that I have very good relationships with. And I just knew that I had a, a good support system going into this. I knew that I knew how to uh, manage and run a, run a group, uh, given the position that I had at Euler Stallings. I knew that I could take a team to where it needed to go. And I knew, you know, uh, with my other connections in small business, you know, Greg Ehler himself is a great example of a guy who has started his own firm with Tim and, and built and failed and built and failed. I had a lot of resources that I knew that I would be able to rely on. And that would help me, you know, get through some hurdles. So uh, it didn't take long for the fear to, to, to take a step back. That's always there, of course, when you own your own business. But it didn't take long for kind of my comp, let my confidence uh, run the show, so to speak, and really have faith in what all these resources, not just myself, but all these other, this community that I kind of have that surrounds me. Uh, and it also helped to have my wife's buy-in too. She she's been very supportive, and certainly that that uh, that helps. If she wasn't on board, I, I don't know that I would have quite the path that I've had so far. And that, that's always one of my favorite questions. What if she weren't on board? You in in fact, what was that conversation like? You you this was your this is your third go. You're going to take it home. I've got two kids, honey. We're going to go out on our own. How did how did that go? Um, she knew that she knew it more than I did that. I needed to be back doing what I was doing. Yeah. She could see it. She wondered about the, the original decision to make the move. Um, she knew that I enjoyed and had enjoyed what I was doing and had good relate really good relationships with, with my construction clients and business clients. Um, and ultimately she knew that starting my own firm was, was an objective and something that I knew I wanted to try. And I think that she had enough faith in me, given what we had seen over the last, you know, decade, that I could probably pull it off if I if if the if the cards fall the right direction. Um, so, you know, certainly, if she wasn't on board, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it. Uh, I, I I made enough made enough drastic changes in the last you know eighteen months to 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 test the waters enough on my marriage. Um, so, uh, but no, she, she knew, she knew what was going to make me happy ultimately. And so she said, yep, yeah, let's go ahead and give it a try. And I think it helped too to involve my wife in some decision-making. Mm. Uh, 
I'm going to, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm going to name the firm. This is, here are the logo uh, logo options. Here are the different offices that are going to be, become available, uh, that kind of thing. And here's what the website's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting her input, I think, helped to make her feel like she's part of the team. So that definitely was, uh, that definitely helped. That's key. And, and, and I was, I was, you know, I could maybe a different show is what would have happened had she said, no, you know, and that, that would have caused a whole different level of grit, but we won't worry about the, the what ifs. I'm just thrilled that it's working out well for you. And speaking of that, it is working well and you are gaining traction. What are the hurdles coming up on the horizon? What are you going to have to show some grit uh, with as you move forward towards success? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one, one issue is going to be that given the growth that I think we're starting to see now uh, with the business is when is going to be the appropriate time to bring in a a lawyer to assist with some of the work that, that these clients need Um, and then who that's going to be, you know, that's always been a challenge is finding, finding, not only finding lawyers, because there's a lot of lawyers that are looking for work right now. Um, But when you're building a team, is making sure that the, the whoever it is, whether it's a lawyer or whether it's a, a legal assistant or a paralegal or anybody else, how well do they match up with your core values? How well do they match up with your vision? Um, you know, one of the visions I have is changing the way that business owners think about lawyers. Um, most most business owners think of lawyers as yet another expense. I have to do it. This is going to cost me a lot of money. And to be fair, it does. Legal services aren't cheap. Uh, but, you know, looking back on some of the really deep relationships that I've been able to form with some, some of the contractors and other clients, it kind of takes a, t- makes it take a second look at that and think, how do we replicate this? And because this is, this is what we want. We want this type of relationship with all of our clients. And of course, maybe that's unrealistic to have it with all your clients, but you want it with most of your clients because those are end up going to be your biggest cheerleaders. And it makes it fulfilling when you have those types of relationships that you can help these people and they're grateful for it and everything else. So, um, so finding the right people who fit into that, to fit into that plan, uh, that's certainly one challenge. And then obviously um, having the right type of focused marketing and business development efforts to continue to create opportunities and, you know, uh, open open everybody's eyes to kind of what's out there as far as legal services and options go for, for the business community. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and as long as you have that passion behind your name and behind your firm and behind your marketing materials and behind the next person that comes in or people that come in, it, it's key to have all those values, right? So that when someone hears the name Truex, they know, they know exactly what they're going to uh, be in for. So I appreciate your sharing these stories and I appreciate your sharing the stories of kind of starting and stopping and starting and stopping and starting again. And I, and I know that that's going to pay off for you long-term and I'm really excited for you in case there are uh, some folks in the same boat um, that are kind of going through the same things or even folks that might be interested in construction law. Um, if someone needed to reach out to you, how would they do so? Sure. Uh, they would do that. Uh, you know, email address is one easy way to do it. That's uh, very simple. Phil at truexlawgroup.com. So T-R-U-A-X lawgroup.com. Uh, and phone number is always an easy way to, to reach. The office number here is 440-534-6733. Um, so those are two easy ways. And we've got the website, which is www.truexlawgroup.com. 
Fantastic. We're going to wrap this up in just a second. A quick plug for my company, my sponsors, uh, Spire Marketing, Spire Advertising. We are here to help small business owners, organizational leaders, uh, medium-sized business owners get to the next level, much like uh, much like Phil's trying to do to build a base and to take advantage of a base and take advantage of your passion, get it out there, serving other people. That's kind of what we do. And not everybody can do it on their own. And, and even, even, even you, Phil, will find a time when it's just too much. And there's too much activity and you just don't want to do that social media post or whatever it might be that you do. And so we're here for folks like that. So if you are looking for those kinds of services, we are Spire Advertising at spiread.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. I am Brian Leffelock, Director of Sales. Thank you to Phil Truax of the Truax Law Group. So excited for you to be here and so proud of your commitment to your passion that you won't give up that you refuse to stop until you find something that truly meets your heart and truly serves your customers the way that you truly want to do so. So congratulations on a great effort and great success. Thanks, Brian. Thanks again for having me. I enjoyed it. Thrilled to have you. And folks, if you want to hear more and and see more stories just like Phil's, uh, go ahead and uh, look at our past library. We do this once a week. We will do this again. And until we do, keep on keeping on, get gritty and win the day. We'll see you next time. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.